Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to Bet the Edge. Good morning, and thanks for being with us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel with the whale capper, Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman. And coming up, the NHL season starts tonight. Eddie Olchek is here to preview the two games to kick off the season and some futures you might want to consider. Also, we are already at week seven of the college football season, and Eric Froton is here to tell us where you can find value early in the week on some notable matchups. And stick around for Edge of the Day. We have that and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, good morning. How we doing? Oh, we're good. Uh, it was a fun, fun game last night. Uh, props to you. Props to Vaughn for the uh, Lamar Jackson looks in the passing game. The fact that Lamar is now putting up offense to the tune of better than half of the teams in the league by himself. Uh, you have to take notice of what he's doing this year. And you have to look out for his potential MVP candidacy, I think. Yeah, this is pretty wild. Um, if you look out to a, an awesome note that we got from our research, was the Indianapolis Colts enter, entered 120 and zero when leading by 16 plus points in the fourth quarter. The last time the franchise lost after being up 16 points in the fourth quarter was their loss where the Baltimore Colts in 1983, so pretty wild. If you look back, it had to be the Baltimore, not Ravens at the time, the Colts, but still on the road in 83. So pretty wild, Drew, if I think about going back to yesterday's game. Yes, uh, it was pretty crazy to see the performance and the comeback from the Baltimore Ravens, but we will not, as you just mentioned, Drew, probably see Lamar Jackson under 300 yards for his passing total, maybe 260 um, after yesterday's performance. We're going to now move on, Drew, because there's a team that you and I have talked about, and it is the Dallas Cowboys. And if I look, we lost Drew for a second. For what it's worth, I love the Dallas Cowboys last week. They did, of course, cover that seven against the New York Giants. Um, ultimately, I think there is still value to get back involved with the Dallas Cowboys. They're now 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that's a longer shot, but I look at them to win the NFC and they're 6 to 1. I do think there's still value. I will break that down later. The NFC East, for what it's worth, are minus 500 for the Dallas Cowboys. Wouldn't buy in that market. Still a lot of NFL play, especially with the longer season. I do want to let you guys know that are joining us. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Seahawks and Steelers on Sunday night for a chance to win up to $100,000. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. 
Drew, you're back. I thought I lost you. I was going to go to hockey with that. <laughs> yeah. Weird uh, gremlin with the, uh, with the wind we've had in Southern California these uh, last 24 hours has been pretty crazy, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't I, think I, I got to California. The weather's taking a hit. People have had, had some complaints. We had a big storm. The wind yesterday was crazy. If you watched the Dodgers game, you could see the wind in that one. Before we go to hockey, let's go back to the Dallas Cowboys for a second here, Drew. I, I just quickly said there's no value on taking them to win the NFC East right now. They're minus 500. I stay away. I'm not laying that. Didn't have a future. In your opinion, I look at them to win the Super Bowl, 18 to 1. I think it's worth a flyer. I actually like them to come out of the NFC. They're 6 to 1, Drew. Your thoughts? Yeah, they do match up fairly well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we saw week one in Tampa, almost coming away with that win. As I run my numbers and project forward what to expect for the remainder of the 2021 season, I have the Dallas Cowboys, the most likely number two seed in the NFC. I have an actually reasonable chance that they get the one seed, mm -hmm. which means they would have the all valuable buy. And uh, the path to the Super Bowl would go through Jerry World, which would be a pretty unbelievable turn of events considering how we started this season. But uh, ultimately, the key for the Cowboys is the way that that offense is performing right now. As everyone knows, they are scoring points and making it look easy. Um, you know, to this point in the season, I think it is a mean expectation that they're going to get into the 30s. They have now scored 40 in two of their last three. And uh, realistically, I think this Cowboys team can get to the end of the season with two or three losses, uh, at which point they are 100% in the discussion for the bye, uh, in the discussion for the one seed. And uh, that makes a huge difference. So if you're not factoring that in right now in your projections, then you're probably not seeing the same value that we're talking about with the Cowboys. Cardinals, Rams in a much more difficult division. Packers with a much tougher schedule. Oh, by the way, Packers now, yeah. Only four and a half point favorites against the Bears, uh, small favorites against the uh, Vikings. So, so, you know, they have some in-division competition as well. Cowboys, I would expect to be touchdown or more favorites in every one of their divisional games to end the season. So, yeah, this team is for real. And if you have not already, you need to be looking very carefully at their future prices. Playing the Patriots, Vikings, Broncos, then Falcons. So I'm sure in the next four weeks, we will see those future prices shorten just a bit. I love the Cowboys and their offense. We could say they've had some flukier defensive plays, but I actually think their defense is better than expected. Number two offense in DVOA, only behind the Buffalo Bills right now. Well, I teased it. We are finally going to get into the NHL. Eddie Olchek gets to join us now. Super thankful for the time, Eddie. It's crazy. I feel like we were just talking to you, and then I fell asleep and woke up in the NHL season. It's back. It happened really quickly. And I look at the Penguins starting tonight playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. What stands out to me, and this is really interesting, is the fact that Tampa Bay has not lost a season opener since 2013. The total for tonight's game right now is sitting at five and a half, Eddie. First game of the season, um, some pressure on the line, I would say, for both teams. Everyone wants to start off on a high note. What do you make of this one? Well, Sarah and Drew, nice to be with you. And, yeah, hockey, uh, the puck is dropped for real uh, tonight. Uh, the banner raising for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in Tampa, uh, trying to go for a three-peat. We haven't seen that since the uh, early 80s. You're talking about the Baltimore Colts, uh, Sarah. Uh, the New York Islanders back in the early 80s won uh, four straight Stanley Cups. The interesting thing in this game, just to give people an update here, uh, no Sidney Crosby, uh, no Evgeny Malkin, the top two players on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, doesn't look like Jake Gensel. They're uh, one of their premier scoring forwards. 
uh, is going to be in the lineup. Uh, they had a COVID outbreak in Pittsburgh, so they, they're really banged up to go into the start of the season. And going into Tampa, yeah, a lot of changes for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But for me, uh, th- this is all about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Pittsburgh is shorthanded. It's going to be an emotional night. Uh, I would expect a few pucks to hit the back of the net in this game tonight. I, I think it's going to be more of a higher scoring game than, you know, maybe one of those three, one or four, one type of games. But, you know, if it was, if we know what ifs are, Pittsburgh being healthy probably would be, I think a closer game. But to me, I think it's all about the Tampa Bay lightning and raising that second Stanley cup banner in, in uh, successive seasons. Ooh, I'll look, I'm going to look for a, uh, I'm going to look for a Tampa Bay goals over uh, based on that breakdown as well. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, very excited for puck to drop for, on this season. Uh, we have a new team. If you haven't been paying attention, the Seattle Kraken will take the ice for the first time in franchise history tonight, taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Currently, Golden Knights are minus 265 on the money line total sitting at five and a half. What do we expect of the Seattle Kraken team? I know I've seen projections on their points total like as low as 80, as high as 100, that is a wild, wild, wild range. Is this, uh, do you have a, a good read on what to expect with these guys? Yeah, well, I think full disclosure here, uh, Drew and Sarah, uh, I have some skin and blood in this game, uh, in, in the Seattle Kraken, I guess I should say. Uh, my, my middle brother, Ricky, is vice president and assistant general manager to the great Ron Francis out there in Seattle. So uh, he's there every day and, 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 you know, he helped put this team together. So very proud of that. And then my oldest son is an amateur scout for the Seattle Kraken. So uh, I have some, uh, some hard-earned blood and skin in the game of the Seattle Kraken. I hope they do very well. And look, I think everybody's trying to compare them to what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did a couple of years ago, go to the Stanley Cup final in their very first season. It's going to be difficult. I think they can certainly make the playoffs because when you look at the Pacific Division, it's all about it's all about Vegas. It's all about Edmonton. And then I think that third spot, the guaranteed spot in the playoffs in that division is absolutely wide open. The one thing I will tell people out there is that they have very good goaltending and they've built a really solid team defense. So I think they're going to be in every single game. Can they score enough? I think that's probably the biggest question mark I have for the Seattle Kraken. Now, talking about COVID, it's affected the Seattle crack and they've had a little bit of an issue there here over the course of the last 48 hours. So keep a close eye on who's in the lineup tonight, but you're right, Drew, every, it is all over the map, you know, to try to predict their, uh, you know, their point total, you know, anywhere, like you said, you know, seeing places 83, 84 to maybe 95, 96. I think that's very fair because of the division that they're playing it and they're going to be able to defend. If you can defend in any sport, you're going to be in a lot of games. So I think that gives them, uh, a really good opportunity. Speaking of point totals, if I can, a couple of point totals throughout the National Hockey League for the regular season kind of stood out to me. The first one is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, total 92 and a half at most places that I've been looking at. I think that's uh, a low number. I think the Winnipeg Jets, with the additions of Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, a couple of experienced defensemen for the Winnipeg Jets, which was their Achilles heel last year. To me, arguably, they have one of the top three goaltenders in the National Hockey League and Connor Hellebuck, who, by the way, is 10-1 to to win the Vezina Trophy for the best goaltender in the league. I think that number is low. I really like an overtotal for the Winnipeg Jets. The Tampa Bay Lightning, we mentioned them a little bit earlier, 106.5 points I've seen. Remember, people should take into account, Drew and Sarah, this is an Olympic year. The National Hockey League and their players are planning on going to the Olympics in February. The season is condensed. A lot of these players are going to be going over and representing their countries from where they're from. How will teams manage their minutes? Will they maybe back off? Will they maybe 
have, you know, some opportunity to rest these guys once they come back or even prior. So for me, the Tampa Bay Lightning lost the third line. You know, they're trying to go for their third cup in 17 months. I think that number is a little high. So I would look more towards the under of 106 and a half points. And the other team I think is a sleeper team, but there's a New Jersey Devils in a very tough division, mm-hmm. 90 and a half points. Uh, the total for them. They've got some experience on the back end now with Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves. They've got some really good young players. Mackenzie Blackwood is an outstanding young goaltender. So to me, I think that number is a tad low for the Devils. It's probably a reach, but I thought that number was probably a tad low. So I'm looking for the Devils to go over 90 and a half in the regular season point total. Eddie, coming on to preview the opening games in the NHL season and drop some knowledge and point totals for this season. I love that, Eddie. Before we let you go, now that you gave us all this amazing info, (laughs) um, I need your prediction for the Stanley Cup here as as we sit on October 12th, getting ready. Early prediction, I will say, but who do you like? You know what? I, I I still feel it's a tad early to kind of see how this all plays out, Sarah. I'm not trying to avoid. I will say that the value aspect for me out of all the teams mm-hmm. I've seen, and maybe you can pull this up because the last time I saw, I think I saw what was right. I saw the Carolina Hurricanes who made massive changes. They've got, I think they've got better goaltending. I saw them at 25 to one in some places. So to me, I think Carolina might be one of those sleep, uh, sleeper teams as far as I'm, that I consider of where they might be and where they might Ooh. fall to win the Stanley cup. So at the end of the day, um, I think that a team like Carolina could certainly, uh, you know, uh, step up. Colorado is the favorite. We understand that. Um, can they finally take that next step and, uh, and go from there? So to me, I still really not overly sure where I would go yeah. right now as far as a pick, but I would say a sleeper team and a value team would be uh, Carolina. And I see we have the numbers up there. Does that, Drew, my eyes are going bad, even though I got glasses on. Is that, <laughs> is that 18 to 1? Or Six, yeah, 16 to 1 right now. But uh, either way, everything you've said so far has been music to my ears. You're really confirming a lot, a lot of stuff that uh, I was looking at. I have the Winnipeg Jets coming in at 95 points. I have Tampa Bay at 104. So I like that over. I like that under. And I like the Carolina Hurricanes to win the Metropolitan. I think that's an, uh, a price worth, uh, what, worth plus, getting involved plus in. Plus 450, Drew? Did I see Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, that was a bettable number. And one, and one last thing, if I could. Rookie of the year. A, a quick little uh, – there two two, two yes. prop flavors individually, if I can. Kirill Kaprizov, um, outstanding young player for the Minnesota Wild. I saw a point total for him, an overall individual point total of 73 and a half. For the Minnesota Wild, uh, you know, laying the uh, laying one fifteen to win a hundred, I thought that number was awfully low. I, I think this kid has an opportunity to be up in that eighty to eighty-five point total. So that was something on Kaprizov over seventy-three and a half total points for him. And then the rookie of the year, don't be afraid to look at a value for the Detroit Red Wings. Lucas Raymond, I saw him at eighteen to one in some places. Looks like he's gonna. I mean, looks like a kid that might be able to score 25, 30 goals if he stays the whole year in Detroit. So. Uh, two individual prop plays there with Kaprizov over 73 and a half total points for him. And then rookie of the year, Lucas Raymond, 18 to one. And uh, the price is certainly right on both of those as far as I'm concerned. Eddie coming in with so many futures getting ready for the NHL season. And because of all of the bonus plays you came on and gave us, I am now a Seattle Kraken fan for this season. Good luck to your family. I look forward to seeing this franchise and what they do. Maybe a sleeper pick. Eddie, I'll have to come back uh, on next week and break down that team. You're the best. If you're not already, you could follow Eddie. Of course, check out, uh, go to NBC Sports. You'll see him there for all the coverage of the NHL for the regular season. And of course, the playoffs or his analysis. Eddie, you're the best. Thank you. This is Sarah Seed, you'll be well.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You're listening. You just got about 10 plays in like 10 minutes. So <laughs> huge thank you to Eddie. We appreciate you guys listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening, rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. We're giving you, as you just saw, a ton of analysis and information. The lines move quickly. We want to make sure you're gaining an edge with us on every single sport. And of course, you can hit us up on Twitter as well. We love to hear from you. And whatever you have to say, uh, you probably have some interesting angles on the triple header we have in Major League Baseball tonight. Uh, I've been getting some great tips from some of our listeners. I appreciate it. Continue to send those tips my way at whale underscore capper. And uh, by all means, share them with Sarah Perlman at Sarah Perlman as well. I need I need those tips. This has been a wild postseason so far, so please tweet us what you think about whether it's the Major League Baseball slate or, of course, college football. We're going to have some college football analysis here as we welcome in Eric Froton, good friend of the show, to help us with Week 7. Eric, I look at the first game here with Michigan State laying four and a half. And I think what's so surprising about this game as they take on Indiana is the fact that they've been, in my opinion, a little bit shocking. They haven't lost their 6-0 and straight up, the Spartans. They've covered the number a ton, four and two against the spread. They're now taking on an Indiana team that has been awful against ranked opponents in Michigan. Now, Michigan State now sitting at number 10 in the nation, uh, 0-3 by a combined score of 96-30 to against ranked opponents. That is Indiana. What do you think in this one with the short number at four and a half, Michigan State and the Spartans on the road? Yeah, I'm even surprised it opened up at three and a half and then pretty quickly pushed up to four and a half for many of the reasons that you outlined, Sarah. Uh, and especially with Indiana, they're having real issues right now when it comes to their quarterback room, where Michael Penix, uh, their nominal starter, was injured against Penn State two weeks ago before the bye. And then came Jack Tuttle, who is, you know, even though he's a senior, he is a very inexperienced uh, went six for 12, 77 yards and interception against Penn State. Just did not look very well. He actually started two games last year after Penix went down uh, in 2020. Only averaged 4.4 yards per attempt against a very, very passive Ole Miss defense uh, on, on 45 attempts. So he was unleashing the ball. He just was not succeeding. Um, and that's a problem because, frankly, the Indiana defense is ranked 98th in terms of big play rate and rush, rushing efficiency which is, you know, the play in Michigan State. When you talk about Michigan State, 
you have to talk about Kenneth Walker Jr. We talked, I mean, rushing efficiency, explosiveness. He's certainly in the mix for being one of the top five running backs selected next year's NFL draft. And their defense is incredible too. Seventh in suppressing passing explosiveness under Mel Tucker, who is a defensive excellent mind. When it comes to what I'm looking at here and the advantages, I simply don't see how Indiana's bottom 30 nationally ranked rushing defense is going to be able to keep Michigan State from holding the ball and just simply ramming it down their throats all game. I think 4.5, even though it's even gone up, represents a significant value here in this game. And I'm very bullish on Michigan State. Before moving off this, am I crazy thinking that there's value on Walker to win Heisman at 15 to 1? I mean... Out, no one else is distinguishing themselves. No other quarterbacks are distinguishing themselves. If Michigan State, uh, you know, continues to put up wins and on the legs of Walker, uh, isn't he at least going to end up co-favorite here? Absolutely. He has to be in the consideration for it. You know, when it comes to running back to me, Bijan Robinson, uh, Kenneth Walker, but even with Alabama losing, you know, and you look at Bryce Young, uh, he took a dip because of it. Matt Corral has started out hot. He's been falling back to the pack. So it's a wide open race. And if you look what happened last year with Devontae Smith, who expected a wide receiver to win it for the first time since I believe Tim Brown yeah. uh, last year. So we're seeing some crazy stuff this season. Why wouldn't that continue in the Heisman futures as well? Not a bad call. Dude. Okay. 15 to one, Kenneth Walker. Let's get it. Um, all right, LSU takes on Florida. This is always a really fascinating uh, rivalry matchup. And uh, realistically, I don't know what we, if we've seen enough from Florida to be 10 and a half point favorites at LSU. But nonetheless, the market is somewhat confident that Florida is going to be able to go into Death Valley and get a comfortable win. Is this a, basically a fade of the LSU defense? Or is there something about Florida that they're kind of uh, you know, going to build into the later portion of the season with uh, a little momentum? Gosh, you mentioned the 10.5 line. It's It's been up and down. You know, it went down to nine, nine and a half a little bit. We're seeing it back at 10 and a half. And a lot of that has to do with their top receiver and frankly, top playmaker on offense for LSU. Kayshawn Butte is officially out. He, uh, he made a beautiful catch on the sideline towards the end of last week's game against Kentucky. But he came down and you saw him go on his ankle and it's forget about it you know it's, uh, it looks like a very very bad ankle injury and that's bad news because their other wide receivers are frankly a lot of freshmen in there Brian Thomas Deion Smith uh, another young player in, in Trey Palmer and Jerry Jenkins which makes up the core of their wide receivers they all have at least a 14.3 percent drop rate amongst all of them most of them more um, so you have very inexperienced wide receivers core and, and specifically Deion Smith dropped a huge game time touchdown against Auburn two weeks ago that really could have made a difference in that game because they only lost by uh, a margin of 24 to 19. And after they scored the initial touchdown against Auburn, they kicked four straight field goals. They simply haven't been able to punch it in effectively in the red zone and losing their top target is not going to alleviate those problems. Um, Ed Orgeron is getting a lot of heat. You know, there's talk about him possibly being on the hot seat. Uh, and then moving in another direction next year due to their poor performance in 2020. That seems almost impossible given the magical 2019 season, but those players aren't there anymore. When it comes to Florida, you know, they've been, even though they've lost, you know, they're four and two, even their two losses, they played Alabama to a standstill. In fact, they had a 58% post-game win expectancy in that game against uh, Kentucky. You know, they lost a, a tight 20 to 14 game, and they also had a 63% post-game win expectancy in that game. So this Florida team has played a little bit better that I think they're really getting credit for uh, S&P plus, which is Billy Connolly's, you know, universal excellent system when it comes to advanced metrics, 
projects a 15.1 point spread. Uh, so you're looking at possibly four and a half, five points of line value, depending on where that line ends up. Uh, I'm very confident in Florida, given the struggles that we've seen out of LSU offensively, losing their best player, and uh, just the way that, that Florida has played, even in their losses. I feel pretty good about this. I'm going to go with, uh, with the games. As a Florida graduate, I love what you're saying, but I don't know what to do with this game. I liked LSU last week. They were three and a half point dogs. They were awful against Kentucky. I don't know if I don't not reading Kentucky correctly, LSU nor Florida. So I don't have a play on this game, but I'm thrilled that you love the Gators. I do want to say in the SEC, a lot of good matchups. That was one, of course. We do have Arkansas <laughs> and Auburn, where it seems like I look right now and there's so much money coming in on Arkansas. 80% of the handle as of today on a Tuesday, laying the three and a half on the road versus Auburn, excuse me, at home, playing Auburn. What do you think about this game? Because when I look at our Auburn and Arkansas, both of them, I would say better offenses, putting up a lot of points, but it almost kind of seems like whoever does have the ball can make something happen at the end of the game. So three and a half, small spread, SEC matchup. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, and that line hasn't fluctuated too much, despite the 80% handle, as you mentioned, Sarah. So that's obviously something to be mindful of, just uh, in the, the minds of the sports books and points bet, which we obviously go with. When it comes to Auburn, you know, there are three wins that they have over Akron, Alabama State, and Georgia State. You know, Akron, Alabama State, the first week, they were just straight blows. But Georgia, it was a 50-50 coin flip in terms of the post-game win expectancy. It was a 34-24 game, but Georgia was up for a good portion of that game. They really hurt themselves with turnovers. So Alabama didn't even look good in that. And then they beat, as we mentioned, a sputtering LSU 24-19, who just simply was, was unable to get it in the end zone and was terribly inefficient. Georgia and Penn State handled them. No problem in either front. You know, Penn State came and made it somewhat close at eight points, but that was a 10% post-game win expectancy. This team is bottom 25 in offensive explosiveness and in terms of drives per game. They're defensively, they're good against the run. You know, there's no doubt that they have a real stout front seven, but they're allowing 68% completion rate through the air, which is 121st in the country. That's pretty bad news because you look at Arkansas and they've had dominant wins over Texas and Texas A&M, a couple of really good teams, you know, really planted their flags on them. They lost a coin flip last week to Ole Miss where they went for it. Uh, they tied it or it was 52 to 51, no time left on the clock. Rather than send it in overtime, kick the, kick the uh, extra point, they decided to go for two and it didn't work out. But, you know, that's what you do on the road. I, I can't fault them for that. So they played great. They're very efficient in passing and in running. And as well as, I mean, their explosive play rate is superb in both fronts. That's really what they, they hang their hat on, you know, and that's a credit to KJ Jefferson, who uh, has, I believe an over 90 uh, PFF passing grade on deep balls. That's Traylon Burks, one of the best wide receivers in the nation. So um, when it comes to this game, I just think that the Achilles heel for Arkansas is they allow big plays through the air. They allow explosiveness. That's where Auburn struggles the most. They're in the top, the bottom 20 nationally when it comes to explosive play rate. So I don't think it's going to be a factor in this game for Arkansas. I think they're going to be able to, to suppress Bo Nix, and I feel pretty good about the Razorbacks controlling this game and, and covering that 3.5 spread. Okay. Wow. Laying the, laying the points. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Auburn and Bo Nix are getting the points. Ooh, I like that even better. Yes, they are. Um, the, uh, as anyone who really cares about group of five football here in California knows, uh, when San Diego State and San Jose State get together, you throw out the records. Yet here you are laying the eight with the Aztecs up in the, up in the, uh, the Bay Area. Uh, what is the case to be made for San Diego State? Well, Drew, they said the same things about UMass and UConn. 
You know, throw out the winless <laughs> records, the records, but on right. band day, on UMass band managed day. to bring it home in a true rivalry <laughs> game. So again, you know, I'm going to go with San Diego State here. The reason why is they're just an absolutely dominant defense in every sense of the term. Uh, fifth overall in SCP defense, devastating against the run. They're allowing only a 31% rushing success rate, which that's eighth in the country. They're first in stuff rate, which uh, in other words, is zero yards or less, you know, loss of yards in rushing. First overall in stopping big plays through the air. They've already beaten Utah. They've beaten Arizona. They dominate every non-P5 opponent they've had. You know, the, they have warts, of course. And when you talk about San Diego State, it's their offense. And they're not very efficient at all. But they do make big plays. Tenth in marginal explosiveness. 39th in magnitude of successful plays behind an absolutely punishing ground game in Greg Bell. Now, with San Jose State, they're limping in here. As you mentioned, you know, you say you can throw out the uh, records, but look, San Jose State doesn't have a starting quarterback, Nick Starkel. They're running an air raid offense behind Brian Brennan, which was very good last year, very efficient. But when you're running the air raid and you have, you know, backup quarterbacks, especially Nick Nash, who was more of a running oriented dual threat QB, they have suffered significantly. 52% completion rate, ranks 120th in the country as a Drastic drop from what their their efficiency was last year. They're giving up a 25% pressure rate, which is 115th in the country, and a 5.2% sack rate per dropback. Now, when you have an inexperienced quarterback, you have a dual threat type who needs that time to be able to process, that is a terrible, terrible sign where obviously you're dealing with San Diego State that is going to bring the heat, and they're not going to have to blitz. They're going to be able to get it with their front four, who's been excellent this year. When it comes to San Jose State, they're ranked fourth worst in terms of plays per game, right? And that's terrible because you're talking about an air raid team where they're usually in those 70, 75, sometimes 80 snaps per game. They're under 60 plays per game, all right? And they're not a great rushing team. That's not their identity, as we've already talked about their offensive line. So where you put that into play, they're defending 71 plays per game, starting a backup quarterback again uh, against one of the truly, truly elite defenses. I fail to see how they're going to be able to move the ball at all, where they went and they only put up three points against Western Michigan and Western Michigan, while they're all right, you know, they got lit up by Ball State Lex. I I want to avoid the transference, you know, but uh, when I look at having watched both of these teams play for the past two games to, to research this, I just don't see in any way San Jose State can move the ball. Give me my Aztecs in San Diego. Laying the eight for the San Diego State Aztecs, 68% of the handle coming in on the side you like on San Diego State. Uh, anytime we could talk about band day at UMass, I'd like to try to bring that up in regular discussion. We won't forget that. And I certainly will tell you on this play. If you're not already, check out Eric on Twitter at CFROTON. A lot of his in-depth breakdowns for college football on NBC Sports Edge. And later in the week, be sure to go on there and check out his player prop handicaps that are coming out. It's incredible. Eric, thank you. Thank you. I was trying to uh, write down all the plays between Eddie and Eric, and I don't sure. have time. I need to go back later and watch our show uh, or listen, depending how I'm feeling. Probably watch on YouTube. Be sure to get those plays. We now go to Edge of the Day. It's how we wrap up our show every single weekday. Favorite play on the board could be for today, could be for the weekend, Drew. Whatever you have, I'm all ears. Well, the first side for the NFL that I fired on for this coming Sunday 
is the Cleveland Browns. I laid the two and a half points. I think this is on its way to three. Uh, ultimately, this may go across three once we continue to collect information about what exactly is going on with the injury situation surrounding Kyler Murray. Uh, realistically, this uh, Arizona team, you still have opportunity, I believe, to sell them at the top of their range. They should realistically be uh, more than a, a three-point dog to a team like the Cleveland Browns who are as complete uh, on offense and defense as any team in the NFL outside of maybe having an elite quarterback. This Cleveland Browns team is well coached, is well rostered. And uh, honestly, the the replacement level players who came in for some of the missing pieces on defense, I thought equipped themselves well. They didn't get the calls. They were going up against an absolute offensive machine led by Justin Sarah's Justin Herbert so I will give them a pass in that spot but this is going to be a weird situation with injuries on both teams and weather potentially in uh, Cleveland Stadium first energy stadium very susceptible to being impacted by wind um, and I think Arizona is going to be a little bit out of their element whereas Cleveland is more geared towards performing in this type of situation so I think the Cleveland Browns get a pretty comfortable win uh, and I will happily back them uh, as a small favorite at home in a bounce back spot, having lost last weekend to the Chargers. In agreement with almost everything you said, especially with the fact that this number is headed to three. So if you can grab the two and a half, I do recommend that. Injuries aside, Cleveland has had some unlucky calls. Their record doesn't really show, as you said, how complete this team is. I'm high on the Browns as you are, so I love this play. Um, I will take the other side, though, in the sense the team they lost to last week. That's the game I'm going to. It's the Chargers. Um, I did like the Ravens to win last night. Um, took them on the money line in an interesting parlay that came home. Drew, I'll tell you off air another day. We don't have time on the show. <laughs> but what I will say is that the Chargers are getting three and a half playing Baltimore at home. The Ravens did have that crazy emotional wild comeback win last night in overtime against the Colts. Now it's a short turnaround. You just talked about Justin Herbert, my Justin Herbert, because I'm buying a jersey, moved to California, new Chargers fan, whatever. Um, he's a covering machine. <laughs> I love Brandon Staley in all seriousness. It's so hard to fade him. He's getting points three now. I played it at three and a half. I still like it at three, but um, I just think with the combination of Justin Herbert, this offense, I know the Browns were a little banged up, but they were able to take advantage of that secondary. The Colts were able to put up big plays against the Ravens defense last night. I certainly think Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, and Brandon Staley's play calling in that entire team is going to be able to actually get the upset here on the road. If not, the three and a half and the three is too many points. I think he's the better quarterback right now, and I love Lamar Jackson. So for me, um, I do ultimately think that the Chargers are the better team. They're on the road. I understand that, but uh, I'm not fading Brandon Staley anytime soon. He's too aggressive. I love him, so I will go with the three and a half with the Chargers. I do. I said this about a college game. I think the same. Whoever has the ball last in this one's coming out on top so over the field goal or the field goal is a fair play for me i will take my new team the chargers against a team that i do still love the baltimore ravens Ooh, man it's gonna be an interesting one in the mvp race for sure at the end of the season we will may look back on this particular game and uh and have some consequence uh i played into the over on this one on sunday this was the low total on the board relative to my numbers it's moved across 51 so i think the value is probably gone but i'm expecting the baltimore defense to have a very very tough time with this los angeles chargers offense as well they are clicking on all cylinders as we've talked about so 
Good uh, by you to get you. it before 51. I did not. But now <laughs> I go to the side because that's whatever that key number. Um, yeah, yeah. But that, that's a great, a great look as well. Well, those are our plays. The Cleveland Browns minus two and a half. We now have the Chargers taking on the Ravens. We'll take the points. I will with the Chargers. We had a lot of plays on today's show. So please go back and listen if you missed some of them for Eddie Olchek with the NHL season starting and Eric Proton, of course, giving us a ton of college football plays and analysis. For Drew Dinsick, I am Sarah Perlman. Thanks for joining us today on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. We will see you right back here, same place, same time tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.